Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now on today's episode, we are going to be talking about business development in tech and to help us understand this space, our guest today is Sanjana Tandon, who is Director of Business Development at Hulu. And Sanjana has a lot of experience in this space. Prior to Hulu, she was in business development at Dropbox for close to three years and before that, she was in business development at Intuit. So overall, she has something like five to six years of experience in this space. In terms of her educational background, she has a BA in Economics from Stanford. University. So I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and find it helpful. And with that, let's welcome Sanjana. Sanjana, hello, welcome to the show. Hi, Sonali. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am so excited to have someone from business development finally on the podcast because we've covered, <laughs> yeah, you know, we've covered quite a few roles from tech on the podcast so far, but this was one important role that had been missing for a while. So I'm happy that we are finally doing something on it. Yeah, excited to share. Absolutely. So uh, maybe a good place to start, you know, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path so far. Yeah, sure. So let's see, I grew up in Virginia mm -hmm. um, and then moved to the Bay Area for college in 2005 and graduated from Stanford with a degree in economics. And initially, I actually thought I was going to go into international development work, you know, mm. something like the State Department or World Bank. And in fact, a few years into working, I actually took a year off to move to India and do some service work. But that aside, I've actually been in tech since I first started my career at Intuit, which was my first job out of college. Um, and I started in their rotational development program. Yeah, I was looking at your profile and I did see that you were in India for a while. Uh, but for the most part, you have spent your career in tech and specifically in business development. So, yep. yeah, like why, uh, like when you first entered this field, mm -hmm. uh, what attracted you to it? I actually got into it uh, completely accidentally, you know, a fortuitous uh, accident, I guess. <laughs> yeah. My first rotation at Intuit was in product marketing, I uh, but I happened to be working on a white labeled product. So basically, that's a product that someone else built for us. We put our brand name on it and we resold it. And we were in the middle of renegotiating our contract with that company. And I started working with our head of business development in that process. Uh, long story short, he told me, you know, he thought I might be good at business development and I should consider doing a rotation in it. Hmm. And that's kind of what I did. I convinced our rotational program manager to help let me do that because, you know, in our first year, we weren't technically supposed to do a business development rotation, but I kind of talked her into it and I'm very happy I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, you know, that just goes on to show that you just never know how these opportunities come up, right? Uh, yeah. You just meet someone <laughs> and he or she sees something in you. Do you know what it was that this business development person saw in you, perhaps, that they thought that you would be good at it? You know, it's probably more that he let me, he, he let me kind of run it. So rather than maybe seeing something in me, um, he had enough faith in me to let me run the process. So he let me negotiate with the company. He let me figure out with the product managers what we should be, you know, what we should be negotiating for. So I think at a very, I was like a couple months into working and you don't usually get that kind of opportunity to lead a project start to finish, right. um, set, you know, so early in your career. And he let me do it. And along the way, probably the thing that stuck out was that you have to be a very confident negotiator and storyteller. And I didn't know that I had those skills at the time. But <laughs> since he let me, since he let me run with it, I just did what I needed to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you're right, because you were out of undergrad at that time, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this is very early in your career, but you got a great opportunity. And yeah. uh, it looks like you really enjoyed it because you've pretty much spent most of your time since then in business development. I have. Yeah. yeah. So so then what is business development? Sure. So it's one of those 
functions that can mean a lot of different things depending on the size of the company and the industry that you're in. At its core, though, business development is basically looking for ways to grow your business outside of just your company selling to its customer base. Mm -hmm. So that may involve acquiring or merging with another company. It might be doing a partnership with another company that involves selling to their customer base. It might involve both of you coming up with a new product together and going after new customers um, that would be new to both companies. So we tend to call those inorganic ways to grow the business. Right. Well, you know, this is very interesting because I guess in my mind, I had always equated business development with partnerships, right? Mm -hmm. Business development is basically partnering with a company to do something. Yeah. Uh, I think what you're describing is maybe a little bit broader in scope. Would you say that? Yeah, again, like I would say partnerships is probably the most common thread between all the different things that BD can mean. Hmm. But depending on the company, you know, you might be doing mergers and acquisitions as part of business development. You might be doing a lot of strategy work as part of business development. So it can flex in a number of different ways. But you're right that partnerships is the most common theme in business development. Right, right. And and you said that you know this 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 variation tends to happen depending on the size of the company, right? Mm-hmm. So h- how like depending on the size, what what varies? Yeah. So the the easiest way to think about it is when you're a very small company. Let's say you're a startup, mm-hmm. and business development at a very small startup often feels a little bit more salesy because <laughs> the companies that you're partnering with or that you want to partner with don't even know who you are. So you're cold calling a lot, you're sending, you know, you're trying to network a lot because you're trying to get your name out there Mm. because you want these bigger companies to partner with you and open up their customer base to you. Okay. Okay. So a lot of times people think of business development as being like a very salesy role. And it can be if you're in a very small company because you're trying to, you know, increase your brand name and get people to understand what your company does Mm. at a bigger company you're often on the other side where you're getting so many inbound opportunities that you have to have a much more robust, you know, pipeline management system and you have to have a much, you know, much more clear strategy around what you're trying to do with a partner otherwise you're going to be bombarded with opportunities because you are a big company. So th- that's kind of how the role can differ a little bit and the skills needed can differ based on, you know, what is the size and type of company you're working for. That's a great point because, yeah, I, I was going to ask you because business development tends to sit in sales a lot of times, not always, but you'll find that, you know, people will say, I'm hiring for a sales slash business development person, right? But, yeah. But what you're saying is that, you know, in a smaller company, maybe there's a lot of that going on hand in hand. You know, you might be selling directly to your customers, but then there's also this even reaching out to potential partners is like sales because they don't really know who you are at a larger yeah. company. Yeah business development tends to sit or be associated with sales in those really small startups. As you mature as a company, generally business development becomes its own function. Sometimes it's under marketing or product, but very rarely it's actually usually its own separate function. And then, and then you also describe that, uh, you know, how you might partner with a company and like partnerships is usually sort of, I would say the biggest, like you said, right, the big chunk of things mm-hmm. that you do. So can you describe maybe the kind of partnerships that someone in BD might be might think about? Yeah. So why don't I actually give a couple concrete examples? Because I think it can be hard to, yeah. uh, to understand, you know, when you talk in generalities. So, you know, a couple recent newsworthy partnerships that you may have heard about. Um, one of them is every time that you ride a Lyft now, you can earn Delta miles, right? That's a partnership that Lyft and Delta worked on. Mm. Every time you use Shazam and you Shazam a song, you can automatically add it to a Spotify playlist. That's a partnership that Shazam and Spotify worked on. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you take a Virgin America flight on their entertainment system, you can find a lynda.com class to take for free while you're, you know, in flight. Uh That's a partnership that Virgin America and Linda worked on. Right. Um, Another good example is when you take a new Samsung device out of the box and you find Google Drive preloaded on it, 
that's a partnership that Google and Samsung worked on. Right. So these are all, you know, different flavors, you know, in some one company is reaching another company's customer base in another, it's a product integration that makes your products work better together. But in essence, anytime you're getting a benefit from another company, when you're using a different company's service, that's a partnership that, you know, was worked out between those companies. Yeah, those are great examples. And that sounds so interesting, right? And and I think a lot of us as you're even when you're just moving around, either either using something online or even moving around on the streets, you can see examples of these partnerships. And if you start sort of using that partnerships lens, you can see that, wow, there are a lot of interesting things going on around you. I think it'll it'll be really interesting to understand how someone in business development would evaluate, right? Like how, whether a partnership is worth doing, what's the return on investment, how much does one party gain versus the other? So maybe you can give us an example of a project that you worked on or or not, like, you know, maybe something else. And then walk us through the stages of, you know, the things that you think about and work on as you go through the project. Yeah. So, you know, let's say that your company needs to grow its subscribers by X mm-hmm. by the end of the year, right? And you don't think that you're going to get there through your own company's marketing efforts and growth efforts. So you start thinking of companies you could partner with to maybe, in this example, distribute your product, right? You want, you want access to that company's customer base um, as a potential customer for your own product. So you make a list of companies and you start reaching out to them. And this is usually done through a combination of leveraging your own network, your coworkers' networks, and often your executives' networks. You know, if your CEO knows the CEO of the company that you're trying to partner with, sometimes you can be introduced at that level. Mm. Um, So once you get in touch with the right people, which tend to be the business development people at those other companies, you pitch your idea. You know, you work pretty long and hard to come up with these pitch decks, basically, Mm. um, where you're describing your idea and you're elaborating on how your idea helps both companies. Because while your goal is to grow your own customer base, the company is not going to partner with you if it's not in their benefit to do so also. And this will involve a lot of a lot of collaboration with other teams at your company. So you're talking to finance about how you could structure the monetary agreement. You're talking to product because if you're offering any sort of product integration, you're going to need product and engineering to actually help you build it out. Hmm. So this is this can be quite a long process while you're figuring out what is the exact, you know, partnership or idea that I'm pitching to this company. And you're working with a lot of people across your own company to kind of get there. Right. And then once you're, you know, once you're in the door and you're talking to that company, you start negotiating the terms, things like the exchange of money, how long will the partnership last, whose brand name will go where, And usually, if you can, you're actually engaging with multiple companies at the same time because you're trying to keep them all warm, but you tend to progress with one faster. Uh, In a weird way, it's kind of like The Bachelor where you're dating a bunch of people at one time, but you have a sense of who the winner is going to be from the start. But you kind of keep everyone else involved. This is great. So this entire process, generally, how long does it tend to take? For big partnerships, it can take anywhere from six months to a year. From inception of the idea to pitching the idea, getting in touch with that actual company. Um, And then the longest period tends to be the development of, you know, if you're doing a product integration or you're coming up with a new product together, actually building that out along with the contract negotiation. Contract negotiation can sometimes take months. Right, right. Yeah, no, I can imagine, especially... The bigger the companies involved, the more there is even even the number of people involved on each side tends tends to get bigger. So there's more exactly yeah, alignment, etc. needed, I see. Yeah, so I, I I would love to dig deeper into some of these stages that you described, right? So your first stage that you said was that so let's say in, in your example, your goal was that we need to increase the number of users on your product. And so you have to mm-hmm. try and get distribution through another company. So you'll identify a list of companies to reach out to through your network. So would would you go as far as to say that someone in business development should be real, should have a strong network already or should be good at networking? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that the person should have a network already. 
Um, I most certainly didn't have a network when I first started the job. So, you know, when you're, when you're more junior in the role, you're relying on your boss's network or the, you know, the other people in the functions network. Um, but yes, you most certainly should be good at networking. Um, since Hmm. you should be building up your network and your contacts as you're growing in the role. So let's, I mean, let's take your example. Uh, Mm -hmm. as you said that you did not have this network from the get go, uh, what are some of the things that you do to build your network? Well, the, the most obvious one is, you know, remaining in touch with the people that you've worked with in the past on, on deals. So let's say you did a deal with, you know, one of the earliest deals I worked on in my career was a deal between Intuit and Verizon. So, you know, you, you work with these people on the other side of the table for months, keep in touch with them, you know, get their personal contact information, make sure you're connected on LinkedIn. I mean, I think now it's a lot easier, I guess, to quote unquote network since you have all these social networks to remain connected on, but make it a point if you're visiting the city that the company is located in that, you say hello and try to grab a cup of coffee. I mean, it's just like how you build any other network, you, you know, your professional network generally. Mm-hmm. It's just in this job, you'll probably rely on it more than you do on a day-to-day basis in any other function. But this is really interesting because when you're reaching out to these companies, I mean, yes, you're reaching out to to, to them as, hey, you know, I'm Sanjana, I'm, I do business development for Dropbox or Intuit or whatever your company is. But, but it's important that you're reaching out as Sanjana also, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. like just any any random person at Dropbox. It's Sanjana at Dropbox. So, so you're leveraging your personal relationship almost for your Oh, company. yeah. Okay. And you'll think it's actually pretty interesting, you know, when you're on a slightly bigger business development team and you're, you know, your team's goal is to have a partnership with X company, you know, you'll have conversations within your team about, okay, who does anyone know people personally at that company? You know, did anyone go to college with someone who works there who could introduce us to the right people? Because to your point, it's not just getting introduced to the business development team. You want a good business development person to work with. And that is all, what is that person's reputation? So, Hmm. and vice versa, right? When you're reaching out, people are not just, oh, you're you're doing business development, but what is your reputation in the community for what kind of a business development person you are. Oh, wow. Are you, this is, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's about, you know, people People make note of what your style is, of what your negotiating style is. You know, are you, are you tough to work with? Are you easy to work with? You know, are you looking out for the best interest of both companies? So your reputation most certainly follows you, I think, you know, in any function. But in business development, it's a lot about, what is your relationship with certain people and and how are you described in the in the business development community this is very interesting for me because i don't <laughs> think i would have guessed i can imagine you know at a startup for sure a startup itself doesn't really have much of its own network so everyone is sort of leveraging their own network but i wouldn't have expected that at a large company because it it sounds like the entire bd community is pretty tight right like different people from from business development but across different companies they they have they sort of know each other or know someone who knows the other person and you have a pulse on how do they negotiate what kind of person they are to work with are they good not so good etc which is a very different Certain. yeah yeah if you think about it even at a large company business development teams tend to be pretty small you know even at i guess the largest company that i've worked at is intuit and it was 8000 people and there were maybe 10 to 15 people across the company who did business development. Right. Yeah. 20 at its max. So it's a fairly small team of people, um, even at a pretty big company. Yeah. 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 And the reason I'm stressing on this point a little bit is that because that immediately sort of tells you that if you do not like this kind of thing, right? Or you're not comfortable with sort of putting yourself out there and actively reaching out to people and maintaining your relationships with them, then business development might not be such a comfortable role for you. Yeah, I agree. So then uh, the next stage that you described was this is when you're sort of, uh, once you've identified your companies and you've reached out to them and then some of them, let's say, respond to you, they're interested in working with you or at least figuring out if there's a potential partnership 
partnership over there then you're sort of refining your idea and figure out figuring out exactly what the partnership should be about and you're aligning with different people within your own company before suggesting something so what is that process like like can you give us an example of the kind of challenges maybe you face when you when you do that yeah so you know you've you've identified an idea that you want to work on with the other company and you know hypothetically the other company agrees at a high level with that idea and and the goals you're trying to achieve together now the hard part is actually getting your own company on board with mm. that plan mm. because what you're pitching tends to be not, you know something that the company didn't plan for so it's not on the product roadmap it's not on the engineering roadmap finance probably didn't budget for it you know if you're giving the other company money or if you're giving them a revenue share on any new customers that come through the door finance probably didn't actually budget for this. So you're, you're essentially throwing a wrench into everyone's plan <laughs> yeah. and trying to convince them that the outcome of this partnership is, is so good that it's worth the extra effort to fit this project in. Mm -hmm. So you're literally going from team to team and, and selling your idea internally, right? You're going to finance and product and engineering and marketing and saying, hey, isn't this a cool idea? Um, it could drive X many customers or X many subs. And we, you know, would you collaborate with us in actually making this happen? Mm. So that is probably, that's probably the part of business development that people tend not to understand because you, you think about it and you think about it as a completely external facing role. You know, you're talking to other companies and you're getting them on board with the partnership, but the hardest part is actually internal mm. because, mm you know, it's easy to sell an idea. It's very hard to execute it, especially <laughs> when you don't control any of your own resources. Right, right. And also because I think you have to divert resources from already, from things that have been committed to, towards your idea now, right? Because as you said, these things are not actually on the roadmap of any of these other teams. So you have to convince them why this is something good for them to invest in as opposed to something else. Exactly. And often, you know, you're not, in, in rare cases, are you actually going to be able to divert resources from existing plans? So it's almost always that we're going to do this and the partnership. I see. Very rarely is it a we're, we're going to do the partnership instead of what the company had already planned. Mm. So you're basically asking people to work a lot harder than they had anticipated. Yeah. I mean, but that brings up an important point, though, that have you noticed that there are certain companies, I mean, I think a lot of this also depends on the overall strategy of the company, right? Like one company might say that we don't really care so much about partnerships. So we'll prioritize what we do ourselves much more over and above a partnership, whereas some other companies might rely more on partnerships for growth. So would you say almost that if you want to get into BD, maybe maybe you should choose companies using that lens that, you know, how, how much do they prioritize business development as a function inside the company? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, you know, to my earlier point, business development can look very different based on what stage the company is in and, you know, in terms of growth and and exactly what its product is. Mm -hmm. I would say some telltale signs of how important business development is to a company. Look at what deals they've done in the recent past. Um, you know, how big are they in scale? Is this something that both CEOs have released a press release about and, you know, made comments about? Is the head of business development at the company you're looking at, do they report directly to the CEO or do they report to maybe the chief marketing officer or the I chief see. sales officer? Yeah. You know, try to figure out that reporting structure because that can be a big insight into how important is this function at this company. And just look at the volume of deals they're doing. You know, how many how many press releases or news alerts are coming through about your company having done partnerships in the recent past? Because that tends to give you a good a good indication of how important it is to the company at large. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that sometimes you can have a BD person reporting to the chief marketing officer. <laughs> but I guess in those cases, then yeah, business development is sort of this function on the side, which may or may not have a hit depending on, you know, what they're pitching. 
Yeah, or their deals might be all mark like might be all marketing related. They might be all doing offers through other companies. Like, hey, partner company, send an offer to your customer base for ten percent off my product. Oh, I see. Um, okay. The, and those are those are fine, and those tend to drive you know a significant amount of subs. But in that case, what it's telling you is you're probably not going to be doing many product integration deals. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So it's a little bit about okay, what is it that you're interested in? And if that's the kind of thing that's interesting to you, then you, of course, by all means, go ahead. Okay. And then uh, the third stage that you described, going back to your process for for like a typical project, was the structuring of the agreement and the negotiations with your partner company. So uh, I would be curious to hear about you know how these how do these negotiations go? Like, and uh, maybe you can share an example of like a of a, st- a stressful negotiation maybe that you've been through. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, all negotiations tend to be stressful at some point or another. Usually, once you've structured generally what the agreement or what the idea is and what the basic terms are, you put together what's called a term sheet, which is a really simple summary of, hey, here's the idea. Here's what both teams have committed to doing. Here's who's going to give the other company money and how much money, or this is how the exchange of financials is going to go. Um, and this is how long this deal will last, right? Every deal has a term, we call it, which is how long that, that deal itself lasts. So that tends to be the first stage is just getting that term sheet signed. Hmm. And it's more ceremonial than anything else because that term sheet is not legally binding, but it's a good indication to the company that this is going to happen and we should start putting resources against it. Because in an ideal world, you wouldn't put resources against anything unless it was a legally bound, binding agreement. Right. But most of the time you're working towards a deadline or a launch date that you would never reach if you waited for the entire contract to be hashed out before then. Right. So the term sheet is usually what you're looking at as an indication of, okay, company, it's now's the time to start actually putting resources against this thing. Mm, I see. I see. And what are the kind of negotiation styles that you've seen in these kind of discussions, especially because, I mean, people, when they think about negotiations, they think of like, you know, one country negotiating with some another country, you know, like or one or two meetings and that's it. These sound more stretched out over a period of time. There are multiple meetings, multiple stakeholders. So how do these negotiations really go? Yeah. So the, the, the next step after the term sheet is exchanging what we call the long form agreement, okay. which depending on the company you're working for, it might be anywhere from 15 to 80 pages long. Okay. So uh, it can get it can get very complex. And, you know, for example, if you're working with a financial institution, like you're working with a bank, they have so many regulations that their long form agreements tend <laughs> to be, you know, 40 pages plus. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, Yeah. I mean, I was just good. I was just curious that as the business development person, are you the one who's supposed to be well versed in these kind of contracts, or do you have someone from le- the legal side maybe helping you out? So you always have someone from the legal team helping you, and you know is responsible for the entire agreement. But as a business development person, you should have a very good understanding of what that entire contract means, and you're leading the negotiation for most of the business terms. The legal teams will, you know, hash out certain things like warranties and representations and indemnities, which are very comp- can be very complex legal issues. Hmm. But as the business development person, you should actually have a, an understanding of what those things mean, but you should be ready and willing and able to negotiate all of the business terms because the legal team is relying on you to tell them what is it that we want to do and and how much are we willing to invest. I see. I see. So can you give us one or two examples of the kind of things that you think about when you're thinking about these business terms, right? What are generally the five things that show up in any contract? The five things that show up in any contract. So what's common What's commonly a big issue between companies is exclusivity. And you'll see that probably in every contract you look at between companies is, is this agreement exclusive or not? So let's take the, let's take the Lyft and Delta 
example, Mm -hmm. you know, Lyft probably wants to partner with a lot of airlines and, you know, build loyalty for its service by saying you can get Delta miles, you can get United miles, you can get American miles. And Delta on the other side is saying, we want this to be just us, right? From a branding and marketing perspective, (laughs) it gives us a lot more clout if Delta is the only airline partner or is something like the preferred airline partner mm-hmm. for Lyft. Mm-hmm. So this issue of whether this agreement is exclusive or not tends to come up in every in every negotiation and is reflected in every contract and is one of can be one of the more contentious issues in any in any negotiation. The other the other thing that's common is how term. So how long right. is this contract going to last and under what circumstances can one company pull out? So this is another area that can get very contentious is generally one company wants to be in this partnership for longer than the other. And what are, again, what are the circumstances under which the company that, you know, wants to end it can end it? What, what constitutes a quote breach of contract under which they could say, Hey, we're not legally bound to, operate in this? Or are there other business metrics that if they're not met, the company, the other company could say, you know, we terminate this agreement. I see. So that can be another long and fairly complicated part of of contracts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine there can be, I mean, this could go on for a very long time. How, how do these negotiations happen? I mean, are these in person? Are they just like, you know, you guys are commenting on each other's documents or email? Yeah, so the first the first negotiation is actually whose whose contract are we going to use? Every legal team is going to tell you, "Hey, tell the other company we want to use our contract." I see. Because it saves a lot <laughs> yeah. of time yeah. um because your company tends to have a standard contract even if it's 80 pages long. It's a standard contract that the company has worked out. So the first negotiation is whose, you know, whose paper are we going to use yeah. as we say? After that's determined, and that's usually a combination of the BD and the legal people hashing it out, um, the first few months or weeks of the negotiation is literally trading back the red lines, as we call them. So the other company will receive the contract, mark it up in Microsoft Word using track changes, and it'll literally look like a bunch of red lines. (laughs) So you'll trade that back and forth. You'll get on calls to discuss the issues. And, you know, generally you're looking at a once a week cadence of trading that, that paper. And then you're scrambling internally uh, once you receive it to make sure you've captured everyone's comments and that you have, you know, everyone's okay on the red line that you're going to send back. Mm -hmm. So that tends to be how it progresses. And then you will want to get together in person once, if not twice, generally throughout that process, because, you know, say what you might about technology and the wonderful ways we can communicate today without meeting in person. um, That's actually the fastest way to hash things out, Mm. which is why you tend to see BD teams meeting in person as it gets closer to the end of contract negotiation, because you're reached a point where usually you have to get this contract done by X date in order to launch. So you're working towards a deadline and it's just a lot faster to negotiate in a closed room with everyone, with the BD and usually legal teams present. Right, right. Suddenly this sounds like a very negotiation kind of job more than anything. I mean, yes, there's a lot more to it, but I can imagine that, yeah, because you're negotiating on behalf of a pretty big company, right? The bigger the company, in in our example, let's say you're uh, you're the BD person for Dropbox or Intuit, and you're negotiating some a deal with another big company, uh, I mean, you're taking some pretty important decisions, especially like if, if there's a negotiation going on in person. So I guess you guys have to prepare a lot before these, these uh, meetings. Yeah, you do have to prepare a ton before these meetings because you should know what your negotiation tactic is going to be, yeah. what you're going to tell the other company versus where you're actually willing to settle um, sometimes you're going to put up a fake fight over something that you really don't care about mm-hmm. just so you can get something else in return. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you, this is usually all pre-planned to a certain extent or your, your whole team needs to be on the same page about what your story is going to be. And yeah, I mean, to your earlier point, 
look, we're not negotiating, you know, peace treaties between different countries, but these are deals that, you know, can cost millions and millions of dollars to both companies and both companies resourcing and brands are on the line. And so it can be, it can be pretty contentious. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I guess, I mean, we could have like another discussion altogether on just negotiation itself, right? Because there's so much of an art and science behind it. So we won't get into it. Uh, But I'm sure your own style has evolved over a period of time and you run into people with all sorts of different styles. So just figuring out how to deal with people and people with different styles, really being good at reading people and what they're actually trying to do. That's probably really important in this job. Yeah. And to me, that's actually one of the more interesting parts of the job is watching other people and understanding what their style is and and learning from everyone's style. Like, I think it's just such a fascinating part of this job is you get to see people on a day to day basis and then you get to see them in a negotiating setting and they can be very different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. So I think, Sanjana, you gave us a really good overview of what this, of what business development is overall. Um, What would be helpful now is maybe if we go into some of the more day-to-day aspects, and then I would just want to hear from you just your overall thoughts on the job itself. So on a, on a typical day, right, if I, if I were to run into you, what are the kind of things that I would find you working on? Yeah. So I guess people have a hard time with this question regardless of their function. Um, But it is very difficult to describe a typical day because depending on where you are in the stage of any deal, I might be refining a pitch to another company. I might actually be doing that pitch right in person at that company's office. I might be at my desk modeling out what the opportunity size of a partnership is, right? Working with finance to figure out how much money or how many customers could this actually drive? Or I might be negotiating the contract or working on it, you know, running between different teams to get their comments. And sometimes when a partnership is live and you're managing that partnership, there are issues coming up that the product is broken or the reporting doesn't match what the other company has sent. So there are a lot of issues that you're probably firefighting on a daily basis. So depending on where you are in the life of a partnership, a day can look very different. And usually you're actually managing or working on multiple partnerships at one time. So you might be doing all of this in one day. Yeah, I mean, at any point in time, I guess it depends on how how big or small the company is. But generally, how many partnerships is one BD person typically handling? It really depends on the scope of the partnership because some are so product heavy and deeply complicated that sometimes you might only be working on one or two. On the other hand, if you're, you know, doing a lot of, let's say, offers through another company's, you know, customer base um, and doing some lightweight, you know, co-marketing agreements, we call them, you might be handling eight to 10. So it really depends on kind of what the scope of the deals that you're working on is. Right, right. And one thing I forgot to ask you is that generally in these kind of in these kind of partnerships, you mentioned that as a BD person, of course, you have to engage a lot of these other functions like finance and product and marketing to really flesh out the partnership. But within the BD team, is it just like one BD person? Like, is, is there Are there different types of BD people? Like someone do, is doing more of analysis, another one is doing more negotiations. Is there something like that? No, I would say as a good, as a successful business development professional, you should probably be good at all of it. Hmm. But you will have, you know, you will have people who have a background in one area versus another. But generally, BD people tend to be generalists. So you can work across verticals, you can work across different, you know, deal types. And the goal, especially when you're young in the job, should be trying to work on as many deals as possible of different varieties. So you get that breadth of experience. I see. I see. Got it. So how are business development professionals measured in terms of performance? Are are there Mm -hmm. certain metrics that you guys are evaluated on? You know, it really depends on the company where you're at, but 
the easiest way to measure the success of a business development person is to look at the type and number of deals that someone has done. Okay. Um, and that's often what you'll hear people talking about. In my personal opinion, I think not enough attention is paid to whether that deal was actually successful or not. I see. You know, because it's a lot sexier to say I did, you know, I did X, Y, Z deals than it is to really describe how you managed those deals <laughs> yeah. or how that partnership performed on a long-term basis. Hmm. But personally, when I'm trying to measure a business development person, let's say maybe for hiring purposes or just generally figuring out, you know, what does this person stand for? I try to dig for not just what did what are the deals that you did, but describe to me how you worked to make sure that deal was successful and actually drove value for the company because doing the deal itself is is just the start. Does it matter? Let's say I work on a number of really important deals, but for some reason the deal doesn't actually get through. Is that going to then negatively impact my performance? You know, not not technically, you know, in most companies, in many companies, I'll say a business development is not, it's not like a commission role where you get a percentage of the value you drove or some fixed number based on the number of deals that you do. Mm-hmm. So you won't, you won't be directly impacted in that way. Of course, your job is to make sure these deals happen. So to that extent, you know, if you're working on a deal for a long time, you want to make sure you see it through and try to get it over the finish line. But that said, half of your job is completely unpredictable because you're working with another entity. So deals do fall apart. And, you know, most business development people have experiences of deals falling apart at the last minute. So it's definitely not unheard of. And it's not, you know, it's not really looked at as a failure because so much of this is outside of your control. Exactly. But yeah. Of course, as a BD person, you want to see your deals through. Yeah, yeah. So in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of this job? So there are two things I would say that I genuinely love about this job and why I've spent so much time in it. Um, The first is that it's completely unpredictable because it is really hard to predict what opportunities are going to come up, what ideas you'll think of, that you'll actually drive to fruition, um, you know, even what issues are going to come up in a negotiation. Of course, with experience, you learn to anticipate a lot of that, but there's an element of surprise in every partnership. And that, to me, is very exciting and kind of what keeps you on your toes. And then the second thing that I love about the job is that you basically have to understand every job function. Because when you go into that negotiating room, you are representing your product team, your finance team, your engineering team, you know, every cross-functional team that has a stake in this deal, you are essentially their voice at the end of the day. And so you have to be able to go really broad and get the essence of what every team's desired outcome is going to be. But you also have to go, you have to be able to dive really deep into any specific part and know what you're talking about and know what you're driving towards. Right. And so that, you know, the, the unpredictability combined with the breadth and depth of knowledge that you gain is something that keeps me excited about the job and is really hard to replicate in other roles. Yeah, because this is actually really interesting because a lot of other functions tend to be very Uh, focused on one or two key things like whether it's marketing or it's sales but this is touching all functions and you need to be pretty good at all of them or at least be able to understand all of them pretty well if you want to structure a good partnership and be able to negotiate it so yeah Yeah. Um, are there any aspects that you do not like about this job um yeah so one thing that tends to be I guess shared amongst BD people it's kind of what BD people might be known for is not liking process. And I definitely fall into that camp as well. Over time, I've learned, you know, the value of process and how to put some in place to better manage a business development team. But it's certainly not something that I have a natural inclination for. And it tends to be a trait that's shared amongst a lot of BD people. Mm. But when you say that you don't like process, so is process an important part of the job? It is definitely an important part of the job. It's just, 
I would say it's not first nature to a lot of BD people to try to put a process in place. Hmm. So process can mean anything from managing how the, like who are the partners that this team is working on, right? Because it tends to be a very individual role. Sometimes you're working with another BD person, you know, on a major contract, but a lot of the job is you working individually with a lot of companies. So how does the team overall manage that pipeline? Who's working with whom? Where are you in the stage? Because you owe it to your cross-functional partners and to the executives of the company to give them a sense of what you're working on and what resources might be needed. So that's one process that you have to think through. Another is in the actual deal negotiation itself, think about how many different people you need input from right? You need input from accounting and finance and product and engineering and marketing and legal. There are a lot of different people to coordinate on any given contract. So you have to have some sort of process in place to get all of those comments. Otherwise, you're going to miss something. Yeah, I guess there's some kind of project management that needs to happen. And since there's just one BD person, he or she has to do it. So you may not be particularly happy about it. All right. Um, are there aspects that you find challenging? Yeah, of course. I mean, if it wasn't challenging, I wouldn't find it nearly <laughs> this interesting. Um, I think the hardest part for for me and, and generally for any partnership is trying to look into the future to predict whether what you're pitching will still make sense in a year or two. Mm-hmm. And working backwards, what can you negotiate into the contract such that if a situation arises where the partnership no longer makes sense, you can get out of it. So I think that's the hardest part of the job is knowing that what you're trying to resolve today and what what the idea is that you're coming up with today, it needs to still be a good idea two or three years from now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think another thing which struck me just from this conversation, which could be challenging, is just how you have to get so many different teams on board inside your own company. Because I think, as you said, right, like sometimes you may have your partner company ready to go ahead with everything, but you're just not able to get everyone aligned inside your own company. So that might be just another thing to think about. Um, yeah. Do you find people in business development making any common mistakes, things that you've seen? Yeah, I think I alluded to it earlier, but I think a common mistake is to think that getting the deal signed is the biggest feat. Mm -hmm. I mean, it certainly is a ton of work and it should be celebrated and rewarded. And often that's, you know, where we derive most of our enjoyment from, you could say, like that rush of getting something done and knowing that you've seen such a hard, arduous process through, um, is, is a lot of what keeps us excited about the role, I would say generally. But if you continue to grow your career based just on signing deals, but not actually working on the execution of them, I think over time you fall behind because you haven't learned from your mistakes and you won't really find what mistakes you made until that contract turns into a real life mm-hmm. product or project. Right. Right. Um, and I guess that tends to be more common when you're maybe early in your career as opposed to when you once you've been around for a while, you realize that it is an important piece of your job. I, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I definitely hope so. I mean, look, you'll find people who even at very senior stages of their career, like, frankly, haven't managed a partnership. And it is surprising to me that you still find people like that. But you'll you'll come across people who don't understand the value of actually launching and like executing on that partnership rather than just the negotiation and and getting the deal signed right and and then i think it'll also be helpful to understand that what is the progression like in business development so uh do you just keep does the scope of the deals that you work on that just keeps on increasing like how do i see myself rising in the company if i'm in the business development function yeah it's interesting because You don't often, or at least I haven't often seen people leave the function, which is pretty interesting. Um, You know, in a lot of other roles, people are looking to switch into other functions. I have seen people, if you're talking about going outside of the company or to different functions inside the company, the thing that I have seen is, you know, maybe some BD people going into product management, um, some BD people go into VC, 
as, you know, kind of career change. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about the progression of, of you as a BD, you know, professional within that function, yeah, to your point, you're, you're managing more complicated deals. You're doing them on your own. You know, you'd no longer require like supervision. Um, you start managing a team and BD, because BD teams tend to be small, like you may not be managing people for a while. You know, it's not like, it's not like other teams that grow very quickly. You're looking at a lean team. So your progression is usually in terms of what deals, what kind of deals you're working on, how responsible are you on that execution and negotiation? And then, yeah, ultimately like managing a team to actually go do more right. of that. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I guess you transfer into a more people management kind of role and overseeing all of them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned that, you know, almost all negotiations tend to be stressful. Can you share a quick example of a stressful situation that you've been in? Oh, man. I guess for me, and it, again, it depends on like your risk tolerance and how much you like uncertainty mm-hmm. because the whole job function might be stressful for you. <laughs> but for me, the closed room negotiations are actually an adrenaline rush because you're forced to deal with what you know at that moment in time and to really think on your feet. The most stressful situations for me are actually where you've actually already executed the deal. It's a few months into its life and it's not performing the way you hoped. Mm. And to me, that's really stressful because executives are asking you what's going on. The teams that invested their time and effort and resources into it are wondering what's going on. And you're questioning if that deal itself was bad or if there are things that you can, you know, if there are things that with help, with help of other teams, you can kind of change the course of that deal and fix it Mm. in a sense. Mm. So to me, that's the most stressful situation when you've worked on this thing for ages, it's live. And for some reason, it's not meeting the expectations um, of the company. Yeah, Yeah, I can imagine that can be stressful. Um, All right. So now I just have a few more questions, more from the point of view of someone who is potentially interested in in exploring business development as a career path. So if you were to think about the really successful BD professionals, and you might be one of them, um, what do you think are the top four to five skills or qualities you might see in them? That's a really good question. Um, well, we've talked about this a lot, but they're very good negotiators. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they have the same style. Everyone has a different negotiation style. But in their own way, they can convince other people to think that what they're saying is right, or at least defensible. Mm. Um, Second, they're all really creative. And I don't mean, you know, I don't maybe mean creative in the traditional sense, but I mean creative in the sense of playing one business term off another or seeing how different parts of or different concepts relate to each other that in your mind were maybe unrelated because they think on their feet and they come up with solutions to problems that are really impressive and, and pretty unpredictable. Mm. So I would say another common theme is creativity and, and ability to think outside of the box. Right. And lastly, one, one common theme that I've seen is that they kind of play to get what they want they don't play to win, you know, because in these partnerships, there usually isn't a clear winner, but often there is a side that is getting what it wanted. And I think people can have a hard time keeping those two things apart. Like what does winning mean versus what does getting what you want mean? Hmm. Um, And the people who can separate those two things tend to have better outcomes because it, it stops being related to a personal need to win and it's more about what does the company want and how can I structure this deal in that way so it's something bigger than them but I I guess that's sort of like negotiation right I mean if I understand you correctly what you're saying is that it's not so much about me winning and you not you not winning like you not getting what you want but more about maybe both of us getting what we want to the extent possible yeah but I would say another critical piece in that is making the other person feel like they did win. <laughs> I see. <Yeah>. Right. So, <laughs> awesome. I mean, there, there are a lot of mind games that you yeah. can get into. But. Yeah. All right. And I, I guess 
it's almost like would you be would you go as far as to say that if you do not see yourself as a negotiator if you do not see yourself as someone who wants to be a good negotiator then you will probably not enjoy this job yes with a caveat because when a lot of people think of negotiation they think of like a, you know the movie like you know a scene in a movie where you're like yelling at each yeah. other and you're super aggressive yeah. um i would say before you before you make a call as to whether you like negotiation or not you should go talk to more people who do it on a daily basis because it it's not always what you think it is like i didn't necessarily think i would like negotiation if i just thought about it from the point of view of you know the movies. how i see it depicted <laughs> in tv shows or movies it's a lot more intellectually stimulating i think than most people give it credit for so yes don't do the job if you don't like negotiation but make sure you understand what that actually looks like and don't just judge it by what you see on tv shows yeah but you know that's a very good point because let's say i'm someone on the outside and i I, I like the outcome of business development that, hey, you know, if, if I had a role to play and let's say the Lyft and Delta deal, that would be pretty awesome. But I don't know if I would actually going, to, if I would enjoy going through the motions. So what's a good way for me to assess whether this is something uh, that I might enjoy or not? Well, it, I mean, it is hard to get an insight into the day to day if you don't, you know, if you don't know BD people or you can't kind of shadow someone. Um one book that is kind of helpful in this, it's called Bargaining for Advantage by uh, Richard Schell. I actually think that's a really good intro to negotiation and, and explains a little bit more about what the, what the situations may actually look like. Hmm. Um, I think the best resource outside of talking to a business development person is trying to get your hands on some of these contracts. Um, if you're at a company, like asking people to read the contracts of the deals that they've worked on. And if you can't do that, think about just go through the news and look at the partnerships that are being done. And in your own way, try to figure out how that might be structured. Think about, you know, in, in this case, like who would be paying who, what products would need to be integrated together just from a high level based on what, you know, the news clipping you're reading, what are the things you can back into that would have been contentious? Um, and see if you can play both sides. See if you can play lift on one side and delta on the other and see if you enjoy that exercise. Right, 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 right. Uh, but you brought up a good point that if you can try and get your hands on contracts, I mean, that's probably possible only if you're already inside a company that has a business development function. But yeah, uh, I guess, the, you know, a lot of people might find that boring, right? That if I have to read through like an 80 pages long contract, but like, do you, do you enjoy reading through contracts? I love it. Okay. Not something I thought I would ever say, yeah. um, you know, otherwise I would have gone into, you know, law if yeah. I knew I was yeah. going to be loving contracts. But what I love about them is when you're reading through a contract, sometimes you can just the way the language is phrased or um, the way certain pieces of the contract come together, you can kind of tell where the companies went back and forth a lot, hmm. Hmm. you know, because even it sometimes might be something as glaring as like grammar errors, but you're going back and forth so many times on, on specific words that sometimes like companies do make mistakes in these contracts. And I actually just find it really fascinating to read through them and to see, and you can kind of, back, sometimes you can back into, oh, you know, company X gave on this term and then 10 pages later, you'll find maybe a reason why, because they got something huge in return 10 pages later. Right. So, I mean, it's a lot more fascinating than, than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> and a lot of people in BD actually have legal backgrounds. I see. Okay. But this, this is good for someone to listen to, right? Because like, this is what a true BD person sounds like. Right, you should enjoy reading contracts. All right, kind of erotic. Uh, no, I mean this is great because I mean it clearly sounds like you really enjoy what you do, and you've been been in this space for a long time. You could have left, uh, so that's great. Um, have you you mentioned that law tends to be a background that a lot of BD professionals share? Would you say there is something like a typical background or a kind of background that would really help you in BD? I you know if 
if you're going to look at it from a numbers perspective, like a lot of people have a legal background, a lot of people have a finance or consulting background, you know, cause they're similar, they're similar skill sets in certain ways of like engaging with other people and modeling out, you know, financial terms. Um, but that's not to say that there aren't people outside of those. And, and I think to my earlier point, you know, if you're a good storyteller, if you can go deep on certain subjects and you like going broad on those as well, you know, there isn't a typical background, but you do tend to see people from consulting, finance and legal. Right, right. And in terms of the actual application, do you apply with your standard resume and cover letter? Or, and actually, how do you apply? Do you try and get a referral? Do you apply on the website? How should you go about it? I think, you know, like the, like is the case with most companies, if you can get a referral internally, it tends to be the best way to get looked at. Um, and that's, that's the same for BD as any other role. If not, then yeah, the website and submitting a cover letter and resume is always important. I think because BD is very personality driven, if you can, you know, get an informational, you know, coffee chat with someone who works in BD to pick their brain and to also just get them to understand you and your personality I think that would go a long way. Like mm-hmm. if through your friends of friends, you know, someone who does BD, um, try to get in front of them because it's always important in this role to see how you interact with people more so than what it says on your resume. Right, right. Yeah. And I would almost imagine that, you know, given that this is a lot about your network and tapping into your network for, for these deals, you should, even if you don't know someone at the company from the get go, you should be the kind of person who somehow finds his or her way into, uh, you know, forming a relationship with someone who's already in BD, trying and getting a coffee with them, because that is the kind of thing that you would do on your job anyway. Yeah, definitely. And look, like it can make people slightly uncomfortable and don't let that deter you from finding out more about the job. You know, there are very few, I would say there are very few people who are, day one, really comfortable with cold calling and like pushing their way through barriers to get things done. Um, but yes, you know, do what you can to try and get in front of people, I think is, is good advice. And, and when you're seeing these applications, uh, do you think there's something candidates can do to help them stand out? I think diversifying the kind of work you do is helpful, whether you're, you've already been in business development or you're looking to switch into it, you know, because you do have to play so many roles in one day, you know, sometimes you have your finance hat on and sometimes you have your product hat on. We like to see people who've done different things and, you know, play that to your advantage. If you're someone who's hopped around and in different industries or, you know, in different functions, some, some people in other roles may look at that and say, oh, this person doesn't have, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years of experience in marketing. You can actually play that to your advantage in business development in a way that you may not be able to in other functions. Right. Just because you can, you can demonstrate that, look, I've, I've played all these roles and I've been successful at them. And that makes, that's a good indicator that as a BD person, you could think through everyone's concerns. Yeah, that's a great point. That's actually, I think this is the first time I'm hearing that hopping around and doing a lot of different things is actually seen as a plus point because generally people are like, okay, this person doesn't really know what he or she wants to do. But over here, this can actually be an advantage. So that's great. Yeah, some of the, you know, some BD people you'll meet, you know, they've got really interesting, varied backgrounds and you can see how it helps them because they're able to adapt in a lot of different situations. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this book, which people should try and read by Richard Schell. Uh, are yeah, there any, bargaining for advantage. Yeah. Are there any other resources you would want to recommend? You know, I, as I said earlier, it's about if you're at a company, try to read the contracts. Um, and if you're, if you can't get your hands on them, literally go through the news, find partnerships that you think are interesting and try and break it down for each company, why they're doing it, what you think the biggest issues would have been, even who do you think is paying whom in this partnership example can actually be more complicated than you'd think. 
Yeah. So yeah. try just as an intellectual exercise to to do that with a couple different examples. Yeah, right. Yeah, just testing, you know, whether you enjoy thinking about partnerships and how that might have come about. That's It's a good indicator of whether you would enjoy the job or not. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sanjana. This was wonderful. Honestly, I... I am in tech and I don't think I had any clue at all about business development. So I've learned a lot myself in this discussion. Thank you so much. Uh, is there any other uh, piece of advice you'd like to share with someone who's considering entering BD or is just curious about it? I think the one of the biggest indicators of whether you'll like the job and whether you'll be good at it is can you thrive in uncertainty or does it make you really uncomfortable? you know, this job can mean a lot of different things. It can go a lot of different directions. And you very, very infrequently do you actually receive very concrete guidance. Mm -hmm. You kind of get in there and you have to figure it out and you have to be a self-starter. So it's an environment where things aren't spelled out for you. There's not a lot of structure and there's always uncertainty about whether, you know, the deal or the project you're working on is actually going to happen. I would think about that pretty carefully to indicate whether it's something you would find interesting or not. Right, right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sanjana, and have a good rest of your weekend. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, Bye-bye.